Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com live. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. Yo, real talk. Y'all almost didn't get a podcast today. I told y'all I was going to Kruger, Kruger National Park in South Africa to see the animals. It's a really famous game reserve. They have the big five here. So that's rhinos, buffaloes, elephant, lion. What am I forgetting? Rhino, buffalo, elephant, lion. What's the last one? It's not a giraffe. It's not a zebra. Hold on. What is it? Big five game drive. Leopard. So I've been here two and a half days. I've technically seen the big five. So that's everything that I need to see. But I want to see it more than once. On my bucket list, I want to see a lion roar and hear it. I need to get the recording on video and audio. And then I also want to see a kill. As many times I've been on safari, I've never seen a kill. And Kruger overall has been on my bucket list. I've wanted to come here for the last 10 years. And it is worth the wait. As far as safaris go, if I had to rank them, I actually prefer Masai Mara during or right after the Great Migration. I think I was just there during a better time. It was dry season, so more animals were available. We have to work a little harder to see the animals here. And, and, and... Here, I'm getting up every day at 4.15 to go on a game drive. It's still dark when we leave to go see the animals. It's not a personal preference of mine. I have all these fancy cameras and all these fancy lenses. I'm not a good shooter at night. And my eyesight ain't all that good to begin with because I don't wear my glasses like I should. So the first hour and the last hour of these three-hour game drives, I really can't see shit. It's not my favorite. But the hotel that I'm staying at is amazing. I'm literally staying on a bridge that runs over a river and I'm staying in a refurbished train car. So think Amtrak on the Northeast Corridor. Think an entire train car refurbished as a hotel room or think like railroad apartment. So it's just a big rectangle with a more than king size bed because I sleep on a king size bed at home. It's bigger than that, but it's really, really cute. It has very like gentrified Brooklyn aesthetics. And I really, really like it. But the best part is I have panoramic views because I have floor to ceiling windows on one entire side of the wall. So when my curtains are open, I'm looking out into like the vastness of Kruger National Park. And then again, because I'm staying on a bridge, I'm looking at a river. I told you I get up for safari at 4 a.m. every day. So in between safaris, there's a 4 a.m. and a 4 p.m. I come back to my room and go to sleep. I take a nap. So I woke up from my nap and I just caught something out the corner of my eye 
there was a gigantic, I mean, this thing was huge. It had to be at least six feet, but there was a gigantic crocodile just laying by the river in front of my room. Like I just caught it out the corner of my eye and was like, what the fuck? And then went to look and I was like, oh shit. So I went and got my camera. And as I was taking pictures of this gigantic crocodile, it moves and gets into the water. I didn't get the actual motion of it moving into the water, but I got the video of it swimming in the water. It was beautiful. And then like I have this gigantic camera. My birthday present to myself this year, because I, I know I'm obsessed with safari. It's an expensive habit, but way cheaper than cocaine. But I bought myself this gigantic camera, 300 to 500 millimeter zoom. So from really, really, really far away, I can zoom in on animals with like amazing clarity. And I can like see their eyeballs, their eyelashes, their teeth, their fur. In the case of the alligator or the crocodile, whichever one it was, the scales. So I can see everything from really far distances. I personally think it was a great investment. It actually wasn't a birthday gift to myself. It was a Christmas gift to myself. Um, I had to buy a refurbished one because the one I bought was a third off. To buy it new was $3,900. And I was like, oh, no. No. I, was like, I love Safari, but I can't pay $3,900 for a goddamn camera lens. Not, not as a non-professional photographer. Absolutely not. But this thing, worth its weight in discounted cost. But yeah, we went out on Safari. We did the morning drive. And we saw rhinos, which are very, very hard to see. Most of the other places I've been, I've seen four out of the big five. But rhinos are very, very elusive. They're hard to come by. And part of it is because rhinos are heavily poached, i.e. killed by hunters. So their population overall is very, very low. But because they know that they're being attacked, they know that they've lost family members. They've adapted their ways to be more elusive so that they're harder to find. It's fucked up because... The more they're killed and the more their numbers decrease, the more value they have to poachers. The hunting for them actually increases the, the more their numbers go down. It's really sad. But we rolled up on these rhinos and in general, driving around the park, the animals are, I wouldn't say friendly, but they're indifferent. They recognize that there's a car they're used to. They're used to seeing trucks. They're used to the noise from the chuck, the engine. They might look up at most, but they just keep going about their animal business. But um, in the case of the rhinos, like we pulled up on them and they immediately started running. And that's when my, my guide explained, he was like, oh, they're nervous because of the poaching. So that was the morning drive. And then this afternoon, we saw a couple of things. We saw a giraffe, we saw a zebra, we saw lions, but mostly we just went really far out. We were on this like lion track for, I don't know, two hours straight. And we really didn't see anything, but we drove really far out. So it took us a while to get back to camp. Like we were supposed to be back at, I don't know, 7, 7.30. And we didn't get back until 8.30. And then I skipped lunch. So I had to get something to eat. So yeah, so this podcast is due at 9. And I didn't sit down to start recording until a good 9.20. My bad. Sorry about the lateness. But, you know, I was on safari. And then I had to eat. And here we are. So... Yeah. Well, that's my life update. I'm here for another couple days. I go back to Johannesburg for a couple days. And then I roll out to Cape Town for a couple weeks to hang out there. I'm going to go to wine country and then also just, you know, hang out in Cape Town because I really enjoy it there. It's my third trip to Cape Town. And I've been here. Has it been six weeks? It hasn't been two months. But yeah, I know what I like. And so that's what I do. What else is going on in the world? I'll be 100% with you. 
I haven't kept up with a whole bunch of stuff. Like I've watched all my shows. I'm up to date on Snowfall. In case you haven't seen it, I, I won't mention any details yet. I'm still trying to figure out how to talk about TV shows on here. Somebody went to my website and sent me a note from there, which I was like, please stop doing that. And the person was like, you could just cover reviews the same way every other journalist or critic or whoever covers reviews. Like, you don't have to give away spoilers. The blueprint is there. Do that. And I was like, I mean, then I would sound like everybody else. Like, I want to be able to discuss stuff the same way I do in a group chat with my girlfriends. I don't want to, you know, parse my words and be worried about spoilers and all of that stuff. If you want a review from a critic, go read a critic. That's not what I am or what I do. I don't want to censor myself. But I also want to talk about my shows because, you know, I got thoughts and feelings. So many feelings, especially about this latest episode of Snowfall and especially about Bel Air. I have such conflict watching that show just because I remember watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air and I used to identify with the kids. And now, like, as a grown adult who's probably the age of Uncle Phil and, and Aunt Viv on the show, now I identify with the parents as opposed to the kids. It's a whole mindfuck. Same thing happens when I go back and watch, like, old Cosby episodes. Like, I used to identify with Rudy because I'm the same age as Keisha Knight Pullum. And she went to high school not so far from me. She used to run in the same track division that my school did, so I would see her at track meets. Um, but I always used to identify with Rudy. And then now when I go back and watch the show, I identify with the parents. Heathcliff Huxable, not Bill Cosby. I'm not, like, a rapist. I don't drug people. I believe in consensual sex. That's not the point. But Bel Air be stressing me out. Like, these kids, they stress me out the same way the teenagers on All American do. I just want to bubble wrap everyone and trap them in their rooms and not allow them to go out. Like, just, I don't know how parents of teenagers do it. Like, teenagers are stressful. They stressful watching them on TV. I don't see how y'all do it in real life. God bless you. <sighs> What's going on in the world? I saw Beyonce is out at Adidas or Adidas is out at Beyonce. I read on The Hollywood Reporter that their deal has ended, but it was, it was mutually agreed upon that things would come to a close. There's been buzz about how Ivy Park wasn't selling for Adidas for a while now. And there's a story on the Wall Street Journal detailing it. I think this, the things that I've been reading said that Adidas had expected Ivy Park to either do $200 million or $250 million, And that it was only doing, only, quote unquote only, because this is all subjective. But it was only doing $40 million, And so Adidas was disappointed. And I was like, you were disappointed by $40 million. Okay. But I read on the Wall Street Journal that the last, I think it said five of six lines for Ivy Park hadn't sold so well. I think they said it moved half of what they were projecting. We talked about this before, right? Sometimes I talk about things and then I erase them in edits. But we talked about Beyonce and Ivy Park and how, you know, you don't really have to make like the best selling clothes for people to buy them. Sometimes people just really like your brand and want to buy into it in some capacity. They want to support you. Like literally they want to financially support you, but they want to buy into the brand and feel connected to, you know, their favorite artist or performer, entertainer, whatever you consider Beyonce or anybody whose brand that you buy into. But I always thought like the biggest problem with Ivy Park, is the clothes aren't necessarily my taste per se. That's not to say anything's wrong with them. It's just not my taste. But Nobody really thinks Beyonce wears Ivy Park. That's always been an issue. Rihanna and Fenty, like you genuinely believe Rihanna uses her makeup or wears her lingerie or wears her workout clothes. Like you genuinely believe that Rihanna 
actually wears Fenty clothes. Nobody thinks Beyonce wears Ivy Park. The only time you see her in it when she's promoting a new line. Like, you never see her at any other time. Like, she doesn't wear it in concerts. She wears, like, couture. She doesn't wear Ivy Park. Or even, like, her documentaries. Like, when she's working out and stuff. Like, I don't ever remember her showing the behind the scenes of her practicing choreography for an upcoming show. And then she's, like, head to toe in Ivy Park. Then people be like, oh, okay. When I do my choreography, when I do my Beyonce routine, like Beyonce wears it and I wear it. Like, no, you only ever see her do it when she's promoting a new drop and then you never see her in it any other time. Also, Beyonce can't dress. I mean, she puts on a lot of glitter and feathers and like over the top shit. I don't really know of anyone who was like, oh, I got to get that new outfit that Beyonce has on or Beyonce was an inspiration. Like she likes little glasses. She's a beautiful woman. Those little glasses don't do nothing for her. She loves them. She's been wearing them for years. Those little tiny rectangle glasses, they do absolutely nothing for her. And they're not fashionable. That's, that's some beyonce is. She likes them. And I'm not mad that she likes them. I encourage her to wear shit that she likes. She should do what she likes to do regardless of what anybody thinks. However, when you're trying to sell fashion to the masses, it should be something that aligns with your brand. Beyonce's brand is not athletic wear. Beyonce's brand is glitter and diamonds and feathers and some real like extra over the top diva shit. If she sold that, people would buy that because they'd be like, okay, that's what Beyonce wears. So that's what I want to wear. Like I want to identify with Beyonce. I want to buy into the brand. Like that's what I wear. But like leggings and sweatpants and t-shirts and buy Adidas. Nobody believes Beyonce wears that. Hence, you know, why is quote unquote not selling? Let me do 40 million in sales. I would consider that an accomplishment. Let me do 4 million in sales. I would consider that an accomplishment. Adidas, not so much. They had much bigger projections and Bay isn't living up to them. And so now they've parted ways. Let's read this article from Wall Street Journal. The headline is Beyonce's clothing line with Adidas suffers from weak sales. This is from February 8th. This is before Adidas and Beyonce parted ways. But it breaks down like what was going on behind the scenes. The subhead for this is revenue from the singer's Ivy Park brand fell more than 50% last year. Oh, dear. It says, quote, Beyonce's fashion partnership with Adidas has produced weak sales of her Ivy Park clothing brand, according to documents and people familiar with the matter leaving a roughly $200 million hole in the company's annual projections. You know, Adidas is going through it right now. They got that Yeezy conflict. They got all those Yeezys that they can't sell due to their contract with Kanye West. So they losing money left and right. Oh, this is interesting. The Wall Street Journal got documents. They said while Ivy Park has been losing money for Adidas, Beyonce gets $20 million in annual compensation. Guaranteed. So whether it sells or not, Beyonce Gazelle knows Carter is getting paid. Well, all right, good for her. Whoever her lawyer is, kudos. Whether it sells or not, her check clears. Kudos to the lawyer. This article was written right before Beyonce debuted her last and final, as it turns out, line. Did you see the camo line? Did you, did you see it? I, I love camo. Like any good New Yorker, I love camo. Like I have, a, I have a curated selection of camo in my closet. When I decided I wanted to start going on safaris, I didn't have to buy new clothes. I have a curated collection of camo after living in New York for 17 years. It just, it comes naturally. 
And even then, I saw that line and was like, no, 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 nothing, no, no. And I wanted to support. I went and bought tickets to the Beyonce concert. I paid well more than I would for a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt. But mm-hmm. the camo line, I paid good money for tickets. Paying for Beyonce clothes, mm-hmm. In good Beyonce news, I guess this counts as good black news. She's on the cover of French Vogue. She actually designed some of the clothes. She did a um, a thank you on her page to the designer of Balmain. He's black, right? I know color when I see it. That's, that's melanated. She's on the cover of French Vogue. In her caption on Instagram, she thanks Balmain, quote, for bringing renaissance to life in couture. Designing alongside you was freeing. Thank you for allowing me to celebrate the human form, to take artistic risks, to push boundaries, and to freely express myself. She also thanks the Vogue France team for trusting in their vision and sharing it with the world. So she includes a video of some of the designs, I guess, that are featured in this French Vogue. The issue doesn't drop to the end of the month, so I'm not sure exactly what the pictures look like. But it's very Beyonce. Beyonce, I don't personally care for her style, but she has a very specific sense of style. It's all that. There's a couple dresses and skirts that look like chandeliers. It's a whole bunch of over-the-top shit. It's very 70s disco, drag queen, diamonds type-ish, rhinestones. Did I mention glitter? Tassels? Gold? It's very, it's very Beyonce. You can tell she designed it. Take that however you mean it. I'll wait till I see the pictures. There was a couple of them on the Vogue France Instagram. I'm looking at the cover of the magazine now. It's it's in black and white. She doesn't look bad. I don't particularly love it. She hasn't embarrassed herself. I just I just don't particularly love it. I'm looking at some other images from the shoot. There's one. It's like a glitter. It's giving Tina Turner and Mad Max kind of energy. I love that image for the cover more than the cover. But but it's cute. I love that image for the cover more than the actual cover. But that's just me. Everyone doesn't think like me or Edward Innefel. I love him. Did you read his book? I didn't get a chance to read his book yet. I meant to pick it up when I went to the States. I mean, they do speak English in South Africa. I guess I could pick it up there. Couldn't I? I suppose. I'm planning to go to Mozambique for a straight beach vacation. I need something to read while I'm on the beach. Maybe I'll pick it up to read there. We'll see. And other good news. I don't think we talked about this at the time, or I didn't speak about it. Meg is back. She took some time off after the Tory Lanez trial because people were on her throat, just calling her everything but a child of God, as if as if she shot someone, as opposed to she was the person who got shot. So she took some time off. She popped up at, was it the Oscars? The Vanity Fair Oscars party? Yeah, that's the first time we've seen Meg in a while. She's been gone. Ma'am came back, snatched. She's been in the gym. Her body was good before. It's amazing now. She went and got some big hair installed. I'm not mad at it. It looks amazing. Some old Diana Ross type hair. Some big old flowing hair. Uh, She looks great. I've had my hair in braids for... I got them done the day before I left Ghana, January 18th. What's today? March 20-something? Yeah, I've had braids for over two months. I might roll these out for three whole months. I know that's kind of trifling, but I really don't feel like doing my hair. It's not even doing my hair. It's it's really taking the braids out. 
But looking at Meg the Stallion, I really want big hair right now. I really just want like a cloud of hair. She looks amazing. But she's been posting up a storm with the new body and the new hair. She's feeling herself. And she should because she looks fucking amazing. I like Meg. I saw somebody wrote about like why I'm obsessed with these like random 20-somethings. And I was like, because they're popular? It's really no more than that. Am I supposed to hate them? Am I supposed to ignore them? Because like I'm technically auntie aged for them. Oh, did you see I th- Meg referred to Beyonce as auntie? which I don't know how Beyonce feels about auntie one way or another. Meg is 28, 29. Beyonce is allegedly 41. 28, 29. Skip over 30, get to 40. She's auntie age. I don't think it's an insult. If Beyonce doesn't want to be called auntie, like, that's fine. That's a prerogative. I'm not really a fan of the auntie term. I hear people say it. I'll check people about it depending on how old they are, but it's not my favorite term. I believe people, you know, should be called what they prefer. I'm I'm with the they, them, whatever term you like to use. I'm with the auntie or non-auntie, depending on what you prefer. People are really upset. They were like, why is Meg calling Beyonce auntie? And I was like, because to 28, 29-year-old, 41 is auntie. Only check people over 30. I'm like, no, if you're over 30, I'm still big sis. You're under 30? Yeah, fair enough. I'm about to be 44 this year. Like, I'm kind of in auntie zone. It's not my favorite term, but I've also realized that usually people mean it as a term of endearment. In Ghana, they call everybody over 30 auntie. Like, there's no way around it. I can't fight the whole culture. So I'm just like, "Mm, okay, fine, whatever. I accept it as the intent that it's meant, but it's not my favorite term. It's like calling somebody old. And I was like, am I old? I guess I am, technically. I only feel like it, though, when I'm around people who are in their 20s, which is like, why I let people in their 20s call me that? Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel young. Until I hang around people in their 20s, and I'm like, yeah, I ain't young no more. And I don't want to be. Like, I want my 20-year-old metabolism. And nothing else. Don't want the salary. Don't want the clothes. Don't want the hair. Don't even want the face or the body. Really, the metabolism. That's all I want. Otherwise, y'all can keep that shit. People be like, oh my God, you're hating. I'm not. You'll see. God willing, you'll make it to 40. You'll understand. <sighs> what else is going on? I want to talk about snowfall so bad, but I can't talk about it without talking about spoilers. That shit really fucked me up. What happened on Snowfall, it really it really messed me up. I didn't realize I cared that much until the thing happened. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. If I don't want to talk about it, because now I'm scared to talk about anything. Because I don't want folks to be like, oh, my God, you ruined it. There's really not a lot of news this week. Donald Trump is still not arrested, which once I found out he was the one that said he was going to be arrested, I didn't really think he would be arrested. I think he will be at some point, but it's not really on people's list of things to do this week or next. He really said that shit, trying to get campaign funds. But I was like, if you're a Donald Trump supporter, you know who Donald Trump is. The man's whole brand, if you buy into it, is that he's like this super rich millionaire with like 14 karat gold toilet seats. At some point, you have to ask yourself, why am I getting paid $30,000, $40,000 a year trying to support a family of four, don't really have the money to spend, donating to this millionaire's campaign fund? Like, if you need money, t- take the money out of your own fucking funds. You the one telling us you got all this money. Use some of your money. Why you want mine? The man is such a grifter, and people keep falling for it every time. I saw Yanla Van Zant was on The Breakfast Club. I didn't see the whole interview. I like Iyanla. I really do. I met her years and years and years ago. Literally, when she launched 
Iyanla Fix My Life for OWN, like the first season, she did this big party press launch party in New York. And I just left Essence. But I interviewed her for it one-on-one, like interview with Iyanla in front of like a room full of VIPs to like kick off the launch for her show. And I was a huge fan already. My best friend bought me Acts of Faith maybe when I was 15, 16, because I remember I had a car at the time. I remember she gave it to me in my car and I was driving. I didn't see the whole Breakfast Club interview. I just saw a snippet, a couple snippets. Uh, One, she was talking about polygamous relationships. She thinks it's something she could figure out. She can't do cheating, but she can do ethical non-monogamy. And I was like, you know, what works for you works for you. Like, I have no judgment on that. And then there was another clip that's been widely circulated. And she was talking about women in masculine energy, which is one of my like pet peeve conversations. Masculine and feminine are these huge buzzwords right now. Like it's, it's masculine, and feminine and soft life. Everyone's constantly talking about those three phrases. And I was really actually kind of surprised at Iyanla's take. I mean, yes and no. I'll tell you why I was unsurprised. She's a woman of a certain age. She's a generation older than me, which tends to be a little more conservative and a little more traditional when it comes to gender. What got me in the interview, at least the pieces that I saw, is I saw a portion of the interview where she was talking about abortion rights and she was talking about white men doing a desperate last grasp for control of anything, but specifically women. And she said that the overturning of Roe v. Wade was evidence of their desperation and their grasp for control that they were trying to control women. And I was like, oh, okay, like she gets it. And then two seconds later, she starts talking about masculine and feminine energies. And she just has these rigid definitions of like how women should be and how men should be. You know, this is the way everyone has to operate. And I was like, wait, like, how do you, how do you understand that abortion rights are about white men's last grasp for control. Like you get what that is, but you don't seem to get that all these conversations about masculine and feminine are are from the same place. Like it's not really women. That, I mean, it's with some women. It's mostly pick me type talking about masculine and feminine energies. But for the most part, it's it's men and mostly women who are very male identified and upholding patriarchy. But I was like, you get it for abortion rights, but you don't get it for gender definitions. And this is not just a critique of Iyanla Van Zant. This is just a overall critique of everyone talking about masculine and feminine. I think it's very narrow to try to put people into these binary categories. We've expanded our definitions of gender To be like, okay, you could be he, you could be she, you could be them, you could be they. You could identify as something else completely different. You could not just be LGBT, but QIA+. So some stuff that we're not really even sure what falls under this, but make sure that you're included. Plus, right? We've expanded in these ways that people can define themselves and their sexuality in all these different ways. But when it comes to the energy that you present, like it's just like, oh, we got masculine, we got feminine. 
and men should be this and women should be that. And that's all that we can possibly be. And I'm just like, isn't that just like suffocating? And it seems to be such a problem for folks. They're like, oh, all these women and this masculine energy and and this agenda to emasculate men and men are feminine and that's the problem and women are masculine and that's the problem. And I was like, maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's just folks feeling free in a very similar way to the way people are like, where all these gay people come from? And it's like people always been gay, yo. They just more comfortable. Like society has evolved just enough where more people feel comfortable being like, this is who I am. Like, I'm here, I'm queer, get used to it. We've just hit the tipping point with that, where people are like coming out of the closet in droves. And it doesn't mean it wasn't gay folks. That just means there were people hiding who they were and now they feel more comfortable. Like All these quote and unquote gay people everywhere is actually a good thing. It means more people are living in their truth and not lying about who they are, not hating themselves or who they are, not depressed for who they are. I feel like something similar applies to gender, like this idea that like everyone must be either masculine or feminine. Like you just get to like choose these two things. And it's like, yo, all men ain't leaders or logical. And those are two traits that are like always assigned to masculinity. And all women aren't nurturing and emotional, which are traits that are always assigned to femininity. I'm like, people have a range of who they can be. You can be a man and not be a leader. And it doesn't make you less of a man. It just means that ain't your role, bro. You could be a woman and not be fucking soft. And it doesn't mean you're any less of a woman. It just means your ass ain't soft. It's just not who you are. We've made these like binary traits of boys like blue and girls like pink. And if you don't fall into these expectations and there must be something wrong with you and and you not conforming to this social construct because that's all it is it's a social construct these are not innate traits but you not conforming to this social construct means something's fucking wrong with you and you're not deserving of good things love partnership i don't know it's just uh... i think yana van zant is a very smart woman I just really hated her and many others. It's not like she said something and nobody else is saying, but I really just hate that perspective of like men must be this and women must be that. And you're in this masculine energy and you're in this feminine energy. It's like, how about you be in the energy that that works best for you and find somebody who it fucking works for or works with that you can be in partnership with without trying to rearrange yourself into these weird, very narrow binary boxes that really no one fits into. Ah. That's all I got for the day. I'm really tired. And I've been up since 4.30 this morning. I had a nap this afternoon, but it really didn't do the job. I, and I kept waking up like every 45 minutes, even though I had my alarm set, because I was really paranoid about missing the afternoon safari. So I really didn't get good sleep. And I'm really, really tired. That's it for today's episode. I'll be back next week. Will I be in Johannesburg when I record? Yes. I'll be in Johannesburg for two days, then off to Cape Town. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.